This is Nolan T. Jones from Roll20, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica discuss whether metagaming is cheating. In the news, a new playtest document is out for the 2024 D&D revision, the Orc license has been finalized, previews of the new D&D adventure Fandelver and Below, the Origins Award winners are announced, and more, plus a brand new sketch about an underwhelming selection at the Magic Item Shop, this week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Orange Pinafore, the most convenient meal delivery service in town. Simply sign up for 13 groats a week and Orange Pinafore will deliver the ingredients for a range of delicious meals straight to your door, including lambas bread. Ugh, why the elves have such tedious food? Worm sandwiches, xenomorph eggs, weasel tongue. Ooh, I assure you, that is delicious. Maggot cheese, roasted peacock, and marmite-flavored ice cream. Delicious. Mm. All the tabletop role-play news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. And here on this drizzly, wet, overcast day, it's okay because we have someone who always brings the sunshine with her. It's the one. It's the only. It's, it's me, Jessica from E N Publishing. I didn't really think of myself as a sunny disposition person, but that's, I'll take it. Why not? Let's crack on with some news. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's do it. News, news, news. So we've got the big um, D&D playtest document that has been released, which we'll do last, I think. Should we work towards that? Yeah. So the then. best till last. Um, okay. If, if that's the best, we'll save it till last. Is, is it the best we have? I mean, there's other news that I think is equally good. Okay. What, what other news is equally good? Well, do you know what dropped this morning? I do. Uh, like a, it was about 1am this morning our time, so I guess it was yesterday in, in the Americas. Old news, uh, if you're I dropped it yeah, yeah. yeah, but that was later. So Yeah. It was the final version. After numerous revisions and feedback um, sessions and things that were going to be the final version and weren't the final version, finally we do have the final version of the Open RPG Creator License, the Orc License, which has been kind of spearheaded by Paizo, but um, was made by Azura Law. And this, um, as you probably know, was is the license designed pretty much to replace the open gaming license and be completely independent and completely irrevocable. Mm-hmm. And it's finally there. It's here. It is been released. It is ready for use. Amazing. Yep. I think they've, they've done loads of drafts and listened to feedback from people on it as well. Mm. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this last draft, well, it's not a draft now, it's the final version, but this last version of it doesn't really differ that much to the last one. Mm-hmm. Only real difference is um, the way that you can sort of designate what is what they call reserved material and expressly designated licensed material, mm-hmm. which is basically their words for, uh, and licensed material, which is their words for open content, product identity and stuff that was all in the open gaming license before. So the stuff you're giving away and the stuff you're keeping back, basically. So yeah, so if you were doing a setting, you could use the the 
5e rules, but you don't have to give away your setting to open content. Correct. Yeah. So what what happens is mechanics. This hasn't changed since the last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By definition, are licensed material. They can't not be if you're using this license. Okay. So all mechanics, uh, trademarks, law, art, that sort of stuff is automatically reserved material and therefore held back unless you expressly say otherwise. So it's different to the the open gaming license. You kind of had to expressly say, this is product identity. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the other way around here. It's like, it is reserved unless you expressly say otherwise. And then you can just sort of like put a notice saying the following stuff is expressly designated as licensed material. And you can say, oh, with the character names, we're going to make that available or whatever, if you wanted to, but you don't have to. That's right. kind of how that works. Uh, and that's basically it. I mean, it's done. I, I gotta say, I, okay, so I guess the idea is that this encourages people to develop for Paizo or develop their own systems and encourages other people to develop for mm-hmm. them. But I'm, I'm gotta say, I'm struggling to see what the benefits over the Creative Commons are. Creative Commons license. Because Creative Commons doesn't mean I give away my yeah, stuff for free. Yeah, they are not. It means I can specify this stuff is for free. And mm. also, Creative Commons yeah. has been tested in the law courts, mm. like, and this hasn't. Mm. I mean, I'm sure it's really good, and I really like the like what they're trying to do with it. But like, unless I'm developing for that system, and even if I was, it's like it feels more restrictive. But you you don't have to use like Pathfinder or something to use the org license. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not it's, it's, it's it's to do with Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but I mean, Paizo produces the most stuff, so they mm. are a good one to develop for. Mm. And obviously, Chaosium's basic role playing, mm-hmm. uh, they've released their fake uh, BRP system for it. Mm-hmm. But like, if it was like, if I use this license, I have less rights. I mean, it is very specifically designed to be viral. More so yeah. than Creative Commons, and kind of how the OGL was supposed to be, but didn't quite work out that well because the yeah. reinforced because that was kind of the intention of the OGL. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the language wasn't quite strong enough, so people could kind of like weasel the way around it. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this, they kind of said, "Look, we really want this to be a viable license," and they actually say in their um, uh, explanation document, "Look, we we understand that not everybody wants to do this." Um, mm-hmm. wants to make all of their mechanics, you know, licensed material. That's fine. Yeah. There are other and licenses out there. not for you. Yeah. 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 And, they, and they literally yeah. say those exact words. Yeah, this license yeah. might not be for you. But this yeah. one is very specifically... I mean, it's good because it gives you options. Like, the ODL does still exist. Yeah, <laughs> we... yeah. yeah sure. Anyway, it's, yeah, anyway. But yeah, yes, yeah, that's something yes. to rely on. It's there's Creative Commons and there's Orc. So you do have like a range of different options to have a look at and use yeah. for, for what you're trying to do. So it sounds like, Peter, for you as a publisher, you're probably going to lead towards more Creative Commons for what you want to do. So, so yeah, what we're doing is slightly differently. So what we're doing is it's not our books that we're, we're, we're doing this with. It's our SRDs. So yeah. we've already written down the stuff that, you know, if it's written down there, we want it to be given away for free anyway. That's fine. Yeah. So we, we, we've put our SRTs out under all three licenses so that creators can choose which one they use. But as far as yeah. we're concerned, you know, that stuff on the SRD, that's what we want people to use. So mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's very good. I approve. <laughs> yeah, and we've done that with what's all is new and with um, A5E. So I think that's yeah, what a lot yeah. of publishers are going to do. They're probably going to be like, uh, we're publishing our system under this license. That's what works for yeah. us. But if you want to do third party stuff. That, have one thing I have now kind of slightly noticed, though, 
It is slightly more admin overhead now when you release a product and you're having to release it under three different licenses rather than just the OGL or something, which is basically until last year what you did. Well, that was the beauty of the OGL because it had been around for 20 years. You just trusted it. You were like, why? And you were like, why on God's green earth would you mess that up? Mm. And yet, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Shrug. But anyway, anyway. Anyway. And that that was that. (laughs) That's happened. Excellent. Open RPG. Since hmm. we are speaking about things that happened some time ago, uh, hmm. I thought I would throw for your attention the following Kickstarter, which has come to mind. It has funded, actually. It is by uh, Top Secret Games. Uh, Top Secret, which I think it's, uh, it's for Top Secret Espionage role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Solarian Games. Who made top secret? Yeah, so they used to be TSR, if you recall. Yes, they the used to be TSR. T- no, the, not the evil TSR. Yeah, yeah. The other they weren't TSR. The, they weren't the original <laughs> TSR. Yeah. They were like the legitimate TSR that was minding its own business, producing nice quality spy games, mm. which was fine. And they had to rebrand the Solarian. So, has they have funded? And if you like the idea of an espionage tabletop role playing game, just let you know they've got 15 days, which will probably be about as of the 30th of June, left on their Kickstarter. Um, it looks like a nice little uh, two-set book, 108 pages, got maps, a uh, secret training base hidden somewhere in North America. Yeah, um, I thought it looked quite jolly. Mm. And I thought they they, 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 they deserved a bit of a hand, hand up, so mm. there you go. Forged with fire, the espionage roleplay. It yeah. is a good name as well, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Cool. Yeah. That does look good. Thanks for sharing. Hey, no worries. Sure. Um, I did this. Um, this is this is this is less kind of news and more retrospectively. So I wrote this article the other day mm. about crowdfunding totals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just curious because I kind of felt the million dollar Kickstarters to slow down quite a bit. Even though we've had literally yeah. two in the last few weeks, mm-hmm. we've had um, ah. um, we've had um, uh, Tales of the Valiant from Kerbal Press, and we've had the yeah. Gloomhaven thing. But generally yeah. speaking, I kind of felt they slowed down a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know what's going on? So I thought, have they? Let's pull out the figures. Make a graph. Have a look. I love a graph. Yeah. So what I did was I made a graph, which basically I took each year and plotted the number of million-dollar tabletop RPG Kickstarters in each year. Yeah. Uh, Or crowdfunders, not just Kickstarters. But Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So Kickstarter launched in uh, 2009. Okay. The first million-dollar tabletop RPG Kickstarter didn't happen for seven years. 2016 was when the first one happened. And that was 7th C, 2nd edition, John Wick. That was the first one. Nice. Uh, it was another two years before we got another one in 2018. And that would have been Matt Colville with his Strongholds yeah. and Streaming campaign. And which is the first of three of his, you know, he's got, he had three million dollar Kickstarters now. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of trickled along like one or two a year, one, you know, sort of thing. Until 2021. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it exploded with 11 projects. And one nearly every month, 11 million dollar tabletop RPG Kickstarters. Yep. That was the it was a post-COVID boom. Everyone in 2020 it was a COVID playing thing. games, yeah. It was probably a COVID thing, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were seven more in 2022. Yeah, yeah. And then 2023 so far has only had two. Yeah. Admittedly, we're only halfway through 2022. But, 2023. Still, but those are still respectable. Like, making a million and a half dollars is not to be sneezed at. Yeah, yeah. did they end on something like that, wasn't it? Uh, which shot? Cobalt uh, Press is uh, yeah. 1.2-ish million, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't but remember still, exactly. Yeah, yeah still. Good yeah. enough. And Gloomhaven's uh, going to do several million. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's more for the tabletop. Is it not already? 
I think it was at two points something. Yeah. I think yeah, at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Is it not pushing four? I'm not sure. No, well, I'm not, sure not the last time I looked, it wasn't. No. I think. Oh, maybe I thought it was going to end at four because it had hit two in the first couple of days. Mm. I, I, I would agree with your prediction there, Peter. I think four is a realistic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. what, what we learned from that is that 2016 was a very important year for tabletop gaming because it was the year we had the first million dollar Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it was the year I quit my day job to work full time in the games industry. So, two nice. equally important things that happened. Mm. Are the two connected? Yes. No. Could have been like this. You know this butterfly yeah. effect thing. So something you did somehow affected a Kickstarter in America. Just I, through this weird confluence of events, just the butterfly effect just spreading across the world. I don't think so. I think it was the butterfly effect because the it's the there was a big golden age of gaming um, that was happening in like from 2010 onwards. I feel that gaming really picked up in terms of board mm. games and tabletop stuff. Mm. And so I think as a consequence, that made this Kickstarter do well. And as a consequence, it made it possible for me to quit the day job situation. So yeah. more than me affecting that is what I think. That would be my Okay. I just assumed it's because you sassed someone so hard on the internet uh, that they decided to pack up their trollish ways for good. Mm. And as a consequence of the kids <laughs> that might otherwise have been discouraged, was like, no, nah, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and thus they were able to achieve their million dollar Kickstarter. Who yeah. knows? Who can say? Not not, not us. But do we you don't know... know anything. But, but, but technically, you, you did just call John Wick a troll. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I said that... Um, Someone that was working with John Wick, possibly John Wick himself, was unable to avoid a trollish encounter that just shut them down so hard. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Made them go and reconsider their terrible okay. life decisions. We're going to have to leave that question unanswered. The question of yes. if, you know, who can say. Uh, you may have heard of The Fantasy Trip by Steve Jackson Games. I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously it was dormant for quite some time, but it has since rebounded and there is currently... A uh, Kickstarter going on for the Infinite Arpelago, the Isle of Cedra, hmm. um, a setting into adventures. It's about ooh, three quarters of the way to the funding goal with 15 days to go, so I reckon it's probably going to get past it. Um, yeah, man, if I'd not heard of the fantasy trip except by reputation, so this, this one looks quite good. So, <laughs> um, fair play to them. Uh, somebody shouted out to me, has they, they said it was pretty sweet, and I'm like, yeah. That I reckon that'll fund. And now you know about it too. Fantasy mm-hmm. Trip, the Al Cetera, Infinite Archipelago. Check out yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah. Hey, we've got the uh, back cover text for Fandover and Below. What does it the say? Shattered Us? Obelisk. Yes, it appeared on the Amazons. Mm-hmm. And on the Amazons, the description hints at a villainous cult to a malevolent entity. That doesn't sound very D&D like, does it? Villainous cults, malevolent entities. <laughs> It will never catch on. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, includes a bestiary of over 20 new creatures. It's got a magic appendance. Appendance? Appendix? Oh, not an a magic appendage. appendix. Appendix. Does it take a itself out? <laughs> a magic appendage. A magic appendix, yeah. A magic appendix. It becomes inflamed and then takes itself out yes. automatically. Yeah. I've made that no worry about it. many times being dyslexic <laughs> working in the games industry. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and finally, a double-sided poster and map. Ooh, a map. Yeah, I'm not going to read out the whole back cover text because it's a bit long, but um, yeah. you can you can follow the link and, and read it if you like. But yeah, yeah, it's it's up there, and you can read about what it's, there's nothing. It's like, um, it's being drastically revolutionary about it. The hardcover's um, September 19. Uh, yeah. that's when it's going to be released, so you can have a look at. Yeah. You can pre-order and the it. The Beedling Grim thing is a month later. The book looks quite pretty. The like 
deluxe, I assume this is the deluxe version. It's like a black box with like neon green glowy writing on it. and the, the <coughs> So that's the Beedling Grimm's thing, I expect. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we talked, did we talk about that last week? I think we did. I'm so behind. I'm sorry. I'd, you were here last week. I was yes. here, like in person, <laughs> but like I'm now questioning if mentally I was. Yeah, did we? Did we didn't talk about Origins Awards though? Unless we're done. Uh, about no, Fabulous. because they hadn't happened. Okay, that I will. I can, can I talk about that then? All right. Um, I'm clearly not with it today. Anyway, so Origins Game Fair went last weekend. We mm-hmm. were there. When I say we, Level Up Advanced Vision was there with a the stand for the first time that year. Just good fun. Um, and they also announced the Origin Award winners. Mm. So there's there's loads of awards at Origins because it's not just tabletop games, it's board games, you know, loads of stuff. But there's mm-hmm. three specific tabletop RPG ones uh, for awards, which I will tell you about now. Go on. Okay. So, uh, no surprise, Coyote and Crow, uh, from Coyote and Crow, won the best RPG core rules, mm-hmm. which I think is nice. up. They're up for a Diana Jones as well, aren't they? Mm. Mm. Uh, so the best RPG supplement went to Agents of Dune by Modifius, mm-hmm. um, which I've not Excellent. played that RPG yet, actually. No, I haven't It's either. on my list. But anyway, um, best graphic design, which is mm. really good, is actually is Pathfinder Savage Worlds box set, which is from Pinnacle mm. Entertainment Group. Oh, that's pretty good. And that beat a load of board games as well. Exactly. Because so best graphic design yeah. is not just an RPG one. It's yeah, because like, the other two it? are specifically RPG things. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's it. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of new people in... Inducted into the RPG, uh, well, yeah, the Academy of Venture Gaming Arts and Design Hall of Fame. Discuss. And they were Jeff Easley, who's a, a D&D artist who's been around for a long, long time. Okay. And Mike Pondsmith, um, oh, who created the RPG Cyberpunk. Oh, oh yeah, sweet. Anyway, um, I'll, well, we shall switch from Origins the Convention to Origins Has Heritages, because I'm going to take advantage of this platform to... Uh, shamelessly plug myself. Have a look at this lovely little cover that I've just put in the chat, which will appear at any point now. Now, um, it's essentially I decided to do some nymphs, dryads, naiads, nereads, oreads, alciads. So, if you would like to be a small god of a locale or place mm-hmm. and play it in your game of advanced fifth edition, or I suppose you could do fifth edition if you wish, then I have you covered. Um, I just really like the cover because it's this beautiful art deco. Um, lady Acid in a full hallucinogenic colours. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I just really like the colour, so I thought I'd share it with you. So, yeah. Cool. Lovely. More heritages. Well, we like it. Yeah. Okay. What else we got? Shadowrun has released two new source books. So the first yes. one is Shadowrun Body Shop. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so it's got new cyberware, <sighs> bioware, genetic yeah. augments, and all these things. So it's not just fixing a car. If that's a basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, body shop. It's fixing you know? something you um, move around in, so. Anyway, uh, it's got, yeah, uh, nanotech, cybermancy, augmenting critters, and dino technology. Do I know what dino technology is? No. So, Would I like to? Dino technology sounds yes. amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, want, I don't know what it is, but I want it. I don't know yeah. if it's technology yeah. made by dinosaurs, technology made, or made for, for dinosaurs. dinosaurs, but I am pro dinosaurs by dinosaurs of dinosaurs. Daryl is now screaming, screaming whilst editing because Daryl will yeah. know everything. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Mm. <laughs> That's the, the first book. book. So Shadowrun yeah. Body Shop, if Dino Technology yeah. hasn't sold you, it's nineteen ninety nine yeah. for the PDF, so 
that's quite reason. I might get that just to find out what oh, I'm doing. Oh, I know. Because anyway. it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty. Yeah. Anyway, the next one is Shadowrun Bestial Nature, um, which is a short source book for shifter characters. And that's Ooh. funny if you know what shifting is in Irish slang. But anyway, um, but it's people that are able to manifest animal traits um, and change their forms. So. Also, what is shifting in Irish? <laughs> it Can means you say like it on the family podcast. Yes, it means like making out or snogging or something. Oh, I see. Oh. Oh, okay, it's quite PG. I did not know that. But yeah, all right. I've just learnt a thing. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Next week in Jess's Celtic slang podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, uh, but yeah, that is that PDF is available for four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little thirty page book that's got these new character creation mm. rules. If you want to be a sh- animal shapeshifter person. Yes. I was doing a little mm. dance to illustrate that point that you're not seeing on the podcast. What a shame. Well, um, we, we appreciate it. I think all, all the other news is news that everyone else has talked about that I, f- I don't remember talking about, but we did in fact talk about. Yeah. So on that note, <laughs> should we talk <laughs> I, about I, Unearthed I, Arcana? I, I, I do. Well, yeah. well, speaking of Unearthed oh, Arcana, else, did, like, the last Unearthed Arcana uh, was very inspirational for me. So... Oh. Um, in that, they had lots of weapons, and as you know, I am a PJ Coffee murder cutlery enthusiast, and so I said, oh, I bet I could do something like that for Advanced 5th Edition. So I did, and obviously if it's Advanced 5th Edition, it should also work for 5th Edition. It will require you to bring exertion into your games, but that's equal to proficiency bonus, comes back in the short rest, there's nothing to it. So it is a 10-page document. Not all my work. Some of it is like just explanatory context from the level up rule set. Uh, thank you very much for making that Creative Commons. That really helps. Um, and it has rules for using your weapons as a martial character in exploration, in social, and quite a bit more in how the more proficient you get, the more options you have of a weapon to be able to do even cooler things, which changes from things like, um, being able to use a war pick or something to more easily climb onto a dragon to properly give it a good beating over the head, to if you have a sufficiently powerful magic weapon, sucking up all the local magic in an area. Like, you know, sort of get you all those strands of weave and whirling them around on your magic sword like a big old uh, chopstick cleaner. in spaghetti. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So the mystery habit. A vacuum cleaner. Mm. A vacuum cleaner, yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. So, so, so a new playtest packet. Yes. Dropped for one D and D, yes. And this is the biggest one yet. It's like seventy-seven pages. Yes, it's a book basically. It's enormous. Mm. Um, it has like revised versions, or there's sort of seven classes in it. Revised versions of all the ones before, plus the monk. Yeah, a couple of new subclasses, a load of revised spells and revised feats from previous playtest documents. Yep, and then a bunch. Then each of them's got a whole bunch of changes, which is quite interesting. Um, what what they've also included is the weapon mastery stuff from the last one, which hasn't changed yet, but they're going yeah. to change it apparently. Okay. And also the rules glossary from the last one, which hasn't changed yet, but that's also going to change. Are they changing apparently. the weapons based on my feedback? Well, well, I know the people from Wizards are always super keen listeners, so it's all right. It's all under Creative Commons, lads. Fully boots. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, so we should just go through it quickly, yeah. I guess. We don't have to go in that much detail, I don't think. It's not... Yeah, tell us about the class changes. Mm. Okay. Well, first of all, subclasses, they've made Mm. how they interact with classes, they've changed that. 
Yeah. So they still all start at level three, which is yeah. Yeah. what they moved to with the one D and D playtest document. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now they have a varied progression beyond that. So if you recall before, it was like they all had new features exactly. at the same levels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now it varies. Yeah. Is that an attempt um, to try and mean if you're leveling up, you get a cool thing each time? I think it was just because of the, uh, you know, we couldn't quite figure out why. Um, but because of the survey, said people liked them all starting at level three, but didn't like the identical progression after that. And I couldn't figure out why, but... It wasn't a balance what people issue said. They, They've got I think a, it was an strong, aesthetic issue. I don't know. They've got a strong push for uniformity going on at the moment. Mm. And, like, I know that sounds like I'm about to say something incredibly racist, but it's just things like, um, suddenly everyone moves 30 foot. Why? Mm. Just because. I'm like, okay, um, that seems a bit odd. But but depending right. on creature size, surely you do different. Because, like, I'm five foot tall, and if I'm walking next to someone who's six foot tall, I have to take many more steps to go the same distance than them. <laughs> so yeah. my <laughs> average my average <laughs> foot, you know, per six seconds walking is probably different to theirs. You just need to practice your cobalt scamper. Um, but anyway, we are I, getting off topic. I don't need to practice it. I have mastered it. But anyway, yes, back to the playtest. Uh, there we go. Okay, so oh, they've they've made yeah. that varied progression beyond level three. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, what else they got? They've given us a couple of new subclasses at the College of Dance for the Bard. Nice. <laughs> have you looked at that? <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I love it because I'd love to play a dance character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, it's got things like... Um, if you've seen Zoolander, there's a bit where he says, oh, I'm too pretty to hit. You can't hit me in the face. Uh, and they're adding charisma to armor class. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I am too pretty to die. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can slap someone to death in, in, with improvised dance because they have the monk ability of using dexterity for their unarmed attacks. Well, and it's great. we've all seen the end of Guardians of the Galaxy where it is resolved with a dance-off. Exactly. And I love and the now idea. you can do that in your D&D games. Perfect. I love the idea that all your spells are like an interpretive dance as well. Mm. And you can communicate with bees, probably, as well. Bees? Communicate with the language of bees. Yeah, bees <laughs> use dance to communicate. Right, waggle yeah. dance yeah. with you, yeah. Okay. If you're not aware of this, meant... I'd recommend an H documentary on it because it's fascinating. But it's not for now. We're getting distracted like, again. Okay. I, I you just want me to stop and watch a nature documentary right now. I would prefer you not do that. Because <laughs> yeah, you have to be somewhere. I, yeah. Yes. Hey. Oh, uh, one thing I did like that I saw. Um, I, 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 I mean, I have. I find some of it hilarious. I find some of it quite good. A counter charm is now a reaction as opposed to a full action. So that's actually really good. That was just a way to help people snap out of a charm effect. Hmm. So now bards are a lot more functional with that. Hmm. So I approve. Yeah, yeah. One thing they did with the bard there, they've kind of defined this thing with magic sources. Hmm. Which um, so they're basically saying that divine magic comes from the outer planes, okay. Whereas primal magic comes from the material plane, okay. Um, and um, then arcane magic. I'm not sure where something that to do with weave something something strength where that comes from reality something um, something. But okay. basically, you then choose one of these mm-hmm. right. as a bard, and okay. that gives you access to one of those three spell lists. Hmm. Oh, you could have a bard without healing word. Yeah, yeah. Choice. presumably. Yeah, presumably. I mean, you could already do that, but that's a terrible idea. You mm. shouldn't do that. Just take healing word, people. Yeah, yeah. It may have yeah. been a thing no. I have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't see this, listeners, but Jess is just getting some serious stink eye from me right now. It's like Jessica likes to sub-optimise. I, I do. My, yeah, I make spell Se- choices based off character wins as opposed to what's actually useful and functional. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I play characters that quite like the rest of my party. 
and uh, tell them my to characters get like the party they're just not competent people much like my role in this podcast mm. oh no that's not true <laughs> well so anyway so. let's move oh, on so something i did like uh bardic inspiration which is pretty much the core feature that most people who play bards will be familiar with which is where you give uh one of your fellows a uh d6 mm-hmm. it now lasts for one hour and you can choose once you've seen the roll and it's been declared success or failure to then roll the d6 afterwards Ooh, that's uh, rather than having to guess yeah. Which, that's pretty cool yeah i'm like yeah I, I will definitely have that as a house rule for my games um because but, that's just that just that it, that that makes it just nicer yeah, yeah. So basically, it's kind of like just as you're about to fail, the bard shouts "Try harder!" and then Sad you do a final, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you see the monk? The monk's the interesting one. So mm-hmm. what we got with the monk, we have the um, base monk damage die has increased by one step. Yes. So monks I've now punch that. harder. Good yeah, I mean that's something that's been going on with a lot of the natural weapons. Mm. Um, and monk weapon is obviously not a natural weapon, but that's sort of an armed attack. Mm. That you're all like really good with. Well, monks That's have all moved from D4 to D6. Yeah, well, so, monks yeah. have often been sort of like criticized for having a bit of a low damage output. Yeah. Um, and this presumably is intended to solve that and put them kind of more on par with the other martial characters. Is a low I... damage output at higher levels? Because I've played, I've only played a monk at like some yeah. one shots for low level and they mm. do a lot Kick of damage. Is that just at higher yeah, level? Yeah. It doesn't. I, I don't know. I've not seen high-level monks because yeah. I rarely get a chance to play in high-level games. Yeah. But like in your first four, mm. first four tier, first four levels, yeah. I mean, it's like they're they're with rogues for uh, saying, "Oh, hello, you yeah. you have forty hit points." <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> slap, yeah. slap, slap. Uh, yeah. The big limiting factor is the key points, which means that they can't sustain the damage at higher levels. Or discipline uh, points, as they're now called. Uh, as yes, yeah, yeah. the new traces document. No, that makes sense because my mm. goblin monk I play called Yum screams runs into battle punches everyone and then runs away screaming um so that's Social. and that is the strategic battle tactic yeah. and that's and that's kind of how you interact socially with people as well Jeff. run in scream punch i gotta say it does make barbecues more exciting we all know i don't do melee damage if anything i use cutting words <laughs> Anyway, okay, yes, yeah, so the <laughs> yeah, monk so. keys now called discipline. They've increased their damage dice. Mm-hmm. What else have we got? Anything else? Um, got? They can now reflect energy. What does so that mean? So before you know they had like deflecting arrows and stuff. Ooh. Okay. Now they can do that with spells. So you can like oh. a fireball back where it came from. <gasps> oh, that's very this is cool. Quite entertaining. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Should thought of that. Nah. That's very nice. And the other big change was the uh, you know the way of the four elements subclass. Oh, that was always the lowest rated subclass out of all the subclasses from the player's handbook. It was the well, lowest rated one. Did it not yeah. get invited to parties? No, no not at okay. all. It got well, actively it like, turned away from parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like no, because it's just like it. Like I was talking earlier about key points being the 2014 version of D anD D, which I'm familiar with most. Mm-hmm. That then had to be turned into spells, which they could then use. Mm. But obviously, you've got not enough already. Having to use more to make it work, it, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've never actually played one because uh, mm. just like I didn't think I'd be able to do anything. Yeah, thought I'd be bored. Anyway, the way of the four elements um, yeah. subclass lowest lowest um, rated subclass. Uh, they've completely redesigned it completely from scratch, mm-hmm. um, and it now it's called the Warrior of the Elements, and that's the new subclass, and it's totally different. Mm. 
So hopefully strong people will like that more and it will get invited to parties exactly. and not thrown out of them unceremoniously. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have a look at the rogue? Because the rogue The rogue yes. The rogue Be- Because um, somebody was saying that they can do everything that the monk can do, plus all the stuff that the rogue can do, and they're just better. Uh, so I, I didn't get that far because I was just like looking at the first couple because I got I got I went into a bit of a dive on druids. There were kind of three things I noticed about the rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, one was the they get weapon mastery, but we kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Um, one was the you know steady aim from Tasha's. Yeah, yeah. You spend your they, bonus action to aim. They get that now. I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. Shrug. <laughs> um, the final fi- one, cunning strike. Yes. Um, gets bonus effects, which you can spend sneak attack dice on. Huh. And these bonus nice. effects, at fifth level, you can choose from disarm, poison, trip, and withdraw. Oh. And at yeah, uh, right. 13th level, you add daze and obscure. And apparently the swashbuckler subclass gets a couple more as well, which I don't have yeah. in front of me, but uh, right. it gets a couple more. Uh, did, did you happen to notice whether that's ranged or melee that you do that with? Uh, I didn't notice. No, I could look it up right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Good. It, it's just because trying to... I mean, I will have to have a look, see if they've actually made it so it's possible. To use, it's always been possible to use a rogue in melee, mm. but it's never been that good of an idea where you could just be at range and say, oh, mm. I'm at range. I expect so, is my is what mm. I would think, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what's the Paladin? Divine Smite's now a spell. Was that before in the playtest or not? Is that new oh, in the playtest? In the playtest. Yeah. Oh. I don't think it was. Um, it's, it wasn't how it worked. It's not base game. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen it in this mm. this one. Um, okay. That's a uh, spell. Concentration? Concentration? Uh, don't know. I'm going to... Again, I'm going to... Let me open it up. Crack on. Right. That is very different. Different. Uh, what's that? Divine Smite. Divine Smite of Rooney. No, uh, it's instantaneous. Bonus action... So you can only smite on your turn, then? Yeah. Well, bonus okay. action means you take immediately after hitting a target with a melee weapon or an unarmed strike. Yeah. Because, so, uh, yeah. like, a bonus action comes from a... Oh, although, actually, would you get you have a bonus action when it's not your turn? I was wondering... So I it, yeah, I was wondering, could you... Do, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Anyway, um, I, I will have to go and look on Stack Overflow. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or something like that. Someone I don't will write and tell us you as can, well. I would... I, I, I'm unsure. Mm. It was, it's I, um, such I've only played a paladin yeah. for a, not a one-shot, a short campaign. Yeah. She became the Pope of the realm by accident and was wildly incompetent. Anyway. Uh, oh. Well done, her. What a queen. Have I yeah. played a paladin? Would you like to know what's happened to the druid? I would. It's very cool. Remember. Well, different. Anyway. The, oh, oh, I can't remember how it was. There were like three different Land, world shapes. Sea and Sky. Oh, yeah. Land, Sea and Sky or something. Yeah, yeah beast of land, sea, and no, like say, it's stars. gone back yeah. to using monster manual monsters. Well, oh, they extent. completely have said computer said no. Okay, oh, all right, okay. Well, that, that that is because druid players, which I have to say would include myself, went pleh, 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 spat out. Ah, no, it is like people horrendous. didn't like it about me. No, but you do no, you do keep your own hit points now. All the hit, or you gain te- you gain temporary hit points equal to. Either the highest of the shape you're transforming into, or your own, whichever is higher. Mm. Which is, you know, uh, it's like three times your druid level, five times your druid level, something like that. So capped at. Sorry? Capped at, you mean? Papped at. Capped. Cap. Tap. Capped. C-A-P-P-E-D. 
cat. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I don't think it's a cat. It's like you choose whichever one's higher. Right, okay. So It yeah. might be a cat, um, though. <laughs> yeah, so if you're playing a cat, you're like a really tough cat. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of having one hit point, so it's all like frozen so that you... Oh, you said only say, yeah, bring it on. It's like, ah, it's talking to me. Because you can now talk in wild shape as well, uh, which is pretty exciting. Hmm. That would be great for some party pranks, I think. Hmm. Yeah, finally we got the But you can't cast spells, but you can speak. You you can speak, and and if you... Why can't you cast spells if you can speak? um, Good question. A Circle of Moon Druid does have the special option to cast Abjuration Spells, and Moonbeam, which is always prepared for them. Maybe that's why, because you want to be able to give the subclass the ability. ability I, I mean, it's, to, I don't it's, know. De- it's, it's, a role, it's a role-playing thing, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. Because people are like, I would like to be able to talk in character. Mm. And it is a role-playing yeah. game, so people are yeah. to want to get it across. Mm. But also, if you can't, if they can't talk in character, then that breaks immersion as a problem. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, things I disliked is that they capped the known number of forms you can transform into to five. Because mm-hmm. uh, before it was like choose a CR, divide by yeah. three, yeah. and that's what you get. The animal kingdom um, is but yours. But now you start off at level three, getting three known forms, and at five, and at level eight, you can have up to five known forms. And that, I, I, don't know, that feels I, like te- I tend to find that people generally choose two or three that they like anyway and just use those. So I'm not sure practically at the table that will make a big difference. I think it depends what table you're in. I suppose you're so, at, yeah. Which yeah. druid player you have. Yeah, I suppose so. As me, I like to have lots of forms because it's fun. Mm. Um, I, uh, I certainly like the fact that you no longer have the um, animal hit points plus temporary hit points plus your base hit points. Mm. That does make them a lot less chewy because mm. uh, you could be very tough. So it's just like temporary hit points and your basic hit points, which you can't then stack the temporary hit points. So that, that is quite good, actually. Mm. And they've also done a little tiny thing where if you make a nature check, you get to use your wisdom bonus rather than intelligence, um, which means that you may have druids occasionally be able to pass a nature check now and again. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's kind of that's most of it. Um, there's uh, the cleric. You choose a divine order at first level. You choose whether to be a protector, which means you're good at fighting, or a thaumaturge, which means you're good at casting. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. I, I quite like that because previously it's all been on domain. Mm. So if you wanted to play a cleric in heavy armor, but you wanted to play like I think it was light or what? So some some of the classes that some of the domains gave you heavy armor, some of them gave you medium armor. Mm. If you didn't have a class with heavy armor, then how did you get into it? Mm. And that was a big problem. But they 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 solved it with that. So that's a that's a nice elegant fix, and I like that. Yeah. Was there anything else anyone wanted to mention about that, or have we, have we covered the playtest document? Well, maybe prepared casting, because okay. they changed that. Because um, previously the way prepared casting has worked is it's level plus uh, your relevant uh, ability modifier, like mm-hmm. probably wisdom for this bunch, uh, and they got rid of that, and now you have a set number of spells known, which will help out people who like to sub-optimise their characters. I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't intend to uh, so make my have... characters bad. It's just it happens. Yeah, I did say they were bad. It's just like you. Nah, some of them got, are bad. You've got different. Mm. You got different goals. <laughs> you got different goals. Um, but you don't intentionally try to make them good, though. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. <laughs> I, I try to make my characters good because I would like to occasionally succeed as a thing when my dice has they invariably do turn on me mm. every single round. I want to die tragically. But, anyway. 
Uh, but but yeah, so now all prepared casters always know it's like spells known by level rather than having to work it out. So I guess that's a quality of life improvement? Question mark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but clerics also get moon. The light domain gets moonbeam as a spell. I'm like, I don't know. That sort of feels like it flies contrary to the divine primal split. It feels like surely this is like a classic druid thing, but. Blurs the difference between a cleric and a druid, to me. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's the right. too long did not read or the playtest. Uh, yeah, too long did not read version. Bit. And there yeah. was one last bit of news because we got a Kickstarter launching on Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Ooh, Next on week, a Tuesday. Yes. Gosh, In a handbag. Who who would ever launch a Kickstarter on a Tuesday? Oh, everybody. only a fool or a madman. Yes. So, yeah. what's this Kickstarter about then? Oh, well. It is the What's Oldest New uh, yeah, Boxed sorry. Set. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I do want to support you. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I thought you were friend. just giving me the opportunity to say it, but yeah. you had actually forgotten. I had forgotten. I'm sorry, I'm a bad friend. But we've done an entire yeah, not D&D episode talking about it for half an it hour. It did. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the launched on Tuesday is the box. Uh, we have mentioned it quite a bit in the yeah. last few episodes, yeah. so I don't think we need to go into it in massive detail. But yeah. it is basically a box set for lots of these new game system. It's got a rule book, it's got three adventures, it's got tokens, it's got maps, it's got pre generated characters, dice, everything you need to get started, all in one box set for about 24 quid. And it's very, very pretty and lovely. Right then, we're done. We're done with the news. Woo, we are finished with the news. Greetings, esteemed adventurers, and welcome to Esmeralda's Emporium of Magical Wonders and Delights. Well met, shopkeep. You have a fine place here. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, what can I do for you today? We have everything here from humble trinkets to mighty artefacts. Anything an adventurer like your good selves could possibly ever need. Well, we're about to begin a quest, you see, and uh, we need to equip ourselves accordingly. I see, I see a quest, you say. Well, we have plenty of things for you to choose from here at Esmeralda's Emporium of Magical Wonders and Delights. So I see. So many things. What would you recommend? Well, how about this lovely little ring? It's so elegantly crafted. What does it do? Invisibility? Protection? Does it grant the power of flight? No, no. This here is the Ring of Contrariness. Uh, what now? Well, it forces you to disagree with anything anybody says. Uh, why would you want that? Well, you, you never know when that might come in handy. Go on then, name an example. Well, um, uh, well, what if you're in an argument with a dragon? An argument with a dragon? Really, shopkeep, who would make such an irritating thing? Oh, very well, very well, uh... Can't please everyone. <laughs> uh, very well. Uh, so, good wizard, perhaps this uh, fine robe will suit. Mmm, I do like the embroidery. Tell me more. Well, this. This is the robe of vermin. Mm, I'm not feeling encouraged. Well, you know, well, whenever you get into a fight, hundreds of insects will, you know, start to bite you. You're kidding, right? No, no, that that, that is definitely what it does. Uh, but without wanting to sound like I'm repeating myself, why? Well, I mean, it it might come in useful. <laughs> Hardly. Look, what do you have that's actually useful? Hmm, okay, okay, um... Oh, how about a nice bag of fish dust? Fish dust? Yes, fish dust. Very useful. And this turns fish to dust? No, not exactly. I mean, 
It it paralyzes fish. It paralyzes fish. Yes, for up to four D four rounds. I'll have you know. Ah, so it paralyzes fish for ninety seconds. Well, up to ninety seconds. Right. Look, Esmeralda. If that is your real name, it is not. I am starting to get a little annoyed here. Will you please show us something useful for adventurers embarking on a quest? Okay. Okay. I suppose a a bountiful spade is out the question. I tried to think. Well, it's a plus three on agriculture checks for the year. Um, do you think we're starting a farm? We're going on a quest to slay a dragon. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? Uh, say, you cast spells a lot, don't you? Well, I am a wizard of the fourth order, yes. Well, then this little drinket might be right up your alley. It says ring or bureaucratic wizardry. It doesn't sound very useful. Oh, it is, I assure you. I bet it's not. It, it is. Fine, fine, go on then. Tell me what it does. Right, this marvellous ring activates when you cast a spell. Right. And a pile of legal papers appear, which you need to sign in triplicate before the spell takes effect. <sighs> Why did I even ask? No, no, really, it's it's quite simple. You need to describe the spell's effect, uh, declare whether it's you know, for business or pleasure, you know, you know that, that sort of thing. Mm. You know what? This is the worst magic shop I have ever been to in my entire life. <laughs> We've been to some pretty bad magic shops. Oh, yes. Remember that one in Middle Wicket? Oh, the one whose entire stock consisted of one magic bean. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. And then the cat ate it. Oh, beans? You, you like beans? Oops, ah, should have stayed quiet. Well, we have a whole bag of beans here. Oh, uh, magic beans, are they? Oh, yes, they're quite magic. You plant them, and then they turn into monsters. And then? Well, sometimes they attack you. Oh, for goodness sake. My patience wears exceedingly thin. Okay, 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 okay. Let me see what else we have. Ah, yes, this will definitely impress. This portrait here. A portrait? Indeed. Now. Whenever something happens to you, it happens to the portrait instead. Ooh, that, that actually does sound useful. Yeah, I'm actually quite impressed. Well, th- there is a catch, however. Of course there is. You do have to carry it around with you. Carry it around? It's six feet tall. We can't go adventuring carrying a bleeding six foot tall portrait around with us. I suppose we could put it in a cart? Oh, no, no. You, you actually have to carry it. Sorry. So... It is, in fact, as useless as all the other junk that you've been trying to pass off on us. Well, that's a bit harsh. Do you, do you have anything, anything at all we might actually want to buy? Oh, how about this wand of misplaced objects? Uh, brooch of uh, number numbing? Uh, horn of bubbles? Uh, shield of expression? Not even going to ask. A wand of smiles? Which? Makes you smile. Well, that's oh. certainly more than we're doing right now. Uh, we'll take it. Why not? Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right, don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
So can the player cheat? Yes. The answer is yes, the player can cheat. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, we're yeah. done. Yeah. Um, I feel maybe a better question is, is metagaming always cheating? No. Mm. <laughs> okay, can good it podcast. Be, can, but can it also be cheating? Before you ask whether or not metagaming is cheating, perhaps, perhaps... We should say what it is. We should define metagaming, yes. That's what, what? what is e- metagaming? Ex- excellent idea. I have a definition in front of me from the internet, and that wouldn't lie to oh. us, so I can share that. <laughs> so, metagaming is a term yeah. used in role-playing games which describes a player's use of real-life knowledge concerning the state yeah. of the game to determine their character's actions when said character has no relevant knowledge or awareness under the surface. Mm. And I think one of the biggest classic examples of that is players using monster knowledge that their characters mm. would not have. Yeah. Which is hard to do, hard with D&D, because if you've been playing D&D for a while, you do get yeah. to know all the monsters pretty much. So unless yeah. the DM is deliberately finding new monsters or changing them or using mm. like third-party source books and things for monsters... That is, you are going to find, you meet a vampire and you know what a vampire's weaknesses are and basically what its, mm. what its stats are, you know, because you just do. Yeah. But your character, maybe he's never heard of a vampire. Yeah. Or doesn't know so, if they're real. It's not like it's not like they grew up on vampire films and Dracula and stuff, is it? But, but it feels like if vampires were real, mm-hmm. then that would be the sort of thing that would cause comment. But I think you'd know you'd have a lot of misinformation about it, though. There'd be rumours and conjecture and stuff. Whereas the player pretty much knows exactly how to deal with a vampire. Or maybe a vampire's a bad example, but you could have a really niche monster that's quite rare. Mm. The the GM puts in because it's really cool and it's not something you're going to come across. Which could happen. If you were in a submarine for some reason Mm. and came across a really weird sea creature, you're probably not going to know what it is. Oh, yeah. In real life sea creatures, I'm looking at them. I'm like, what? Mm. Yeah. Flip is exactly. that? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah it's okay. not. It's not like sea creatures grow with aesthetics in mind, is it? Um, anyway, we'll, Maybe, we'll leave off well, this ugly shaming for other, of the sea creatures. For other sea creatures, because that's <laughs> just what they like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so. <laughs> well, it doesn't evolve around you, Russ, and your preferences. Of course, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Even sea creatures do. Uh, typical man. <laughs> Peter, the land, sea, and sky, all of the druid shapes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's what metagaming is. Yeah. So I, I find it difficult to say whether or not it's cheating, because I don't think that's the right mm. term, but whether yeah. I think it is good for the table or not at different times is the question for me. Like, a, like an example that I've come across is someone who comes up to a tapestry, stabs straight through it, causing the orc behind it to fall over, Neatly avoids hopscotches across the room, avoiding all the trapped tiles, and then uh, sweeps up the thing. And it's like, how did you know to do that? Oh, I just felt like doing it. And the answer is clearly because they have read the adventure already. Or played it before, yeah. Yeah. And that is, I feel, like, is it cheating? Is it against? There's, I don't think there's a rule which says you can't do that. Yeah. I... So in that respect, it's not cheating. But on the other hand, it's also very much not in the spirit of the game. And oh, why yeah. We talked about social I... contracts a lot last week, didn't we? It, it, that breaks Massive the bridge. social contract. I think yeah. it, it makes the game not fun. Because part oh, of that yeah. puzzle, like you say, jumping over the floor specific ways, part of the fun of the game is how do we figure this out as a group? Like how, yeah. you know. Um... Well, I think there's an element there that for some people, mm-hmm. fun is derived in other ways. And that is by winning. 
in a role playing game. It's not the process. You can't win a role playing game. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like winning the encounter, winning the situation. Yeah, do, yeah. You know, um, besting the encounter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that mm. is the goal in their mind, rather I, than the process. Sure, I will concede to that. But then that's just like. If you're playing a video game, if you just code it to say congratulations, sure. you've won. Absolutely, yeah. sure. Why? But people do use people do use cheat codes in video games. Yeah, but that's yeah. Mm, that's I mean, it is a thing that people do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like because they don't have difficulty settings, uh, or you're just like, I'm so bored of this, I'm just gonna plow straight through. I have discovered that the only way I can enjoy video games now, and I think possibly it's why I kind of stopped playing them. Yeah. If I put them on easy mode all the time, yeah, I like them a lot more. Oh, I do that. I play a lot of games because I want to play the story, but I don't have a lot of spare time to play games to get good. Mm. Um, So I'm like, do you know what? I want to play through The Last of Us again, but I don't. I just want to go through the story and explore the environment and the world. So I'm going to play. And I don't want to have to jump across this gap 15 million times until I land on the correct pixel. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's fair. But you can do that in role playing games via other means. um, I think. But yeah. yeah, no, but for me, what I'm talking about with metagaming is whether it's good for the story or not. Because, so an example of bad metagaming I have, um, which isn't you've read the rules in advance, it's just player knowledge on the table versus character knowledge. So I had one where we were doing like a spy theme game and my character had gone off to infiltrate this base and done a thing. And then they had kind of got body swapped out. And so the person that came out wasn't actually my character, but to the rest yeah. of the table... It looks mm, like them. Oops. And Sorry, so one of the characters goes, oh, can I do an insight check to check it's them? Which, in a spy game, re- well, I'll give you that one. Because they were in a spy mm. situation, weird stuff was happening. Yeah. But then they they rolled it and they're like, yeah, it seems to them like they're who they are. And then they yeah. still didn't let it go. They're like, I'm going to follow them. And it's like, why? Why would you trail yeah, your why friend? Why would you change your behavior? Yeah, why would you? Yeah. yeah. So that mm. was kind of like mm. a bad example. Because that made the game less fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that would actually be slightly irritating, wouldn't it? Oh, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. A, a conversation was had, but anyway. But then, a good example of meta gaming is using your player knowledge to define your character way to make sure everyone has fun at the table. So, for example, if you've done lines on veils and you're you know that you want to avoid certain themes or topics in the game, it might be that naturally you would have accidentally wandered into that topic, but you're going to steer your character away from it because you know that we've agreed we're not dealing with that topic on the table. Mm. Attack of the giant moths, say, if you've got a player who's like, nope, to yeah. moths, then... That's kind of socially agreed metagaming, isn't it? It's like pre-agreed. Yeah. That's, yeah. But it, yeah. that is technically metagaming, because you're using yeah. your player's real-life yeah. knowledge to define the actions of the character. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and well, I feel that there's also, like, a bit... Getting back to the monsters, there is mm-hmm. actually, like, something that looks like metagaming, but I feel isn't. Oh, what's mm-hmm. that? When you interact with the monsters, mm-hmm. you are rolling dice, yeah? And you're mm-hmm. seeing the dice rolls they make often. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're in a place in real life, you have tons of information available to you. Mm-hmm. Like, if I see Jess carrying a sword, I am going to know things about how much Jess knows how to use a sword. Like, is she holding it by the right end? Um, <laughs> probably... <laughs> It's a fair question. Uh, but fair how is she holding it? Is it a relaxed, easy step? <laughs> like, you know, like there, there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole sketch, there's a whole set of things that we could go with. Mm. And like the way you move your feet, the way you're holding your weight, the way you're looking from side to side, like there'll be different things about your attitude, which will give and me... And also just the fact that you know Jess. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Jess has a sword now. I should be scared, is like sort of my baseline. How scared should I be? 
is going to be on how I mean, much no chest looks like someone who knows how to use it. someone uses a sword, if that sword hits you, it's going to hurt. Mm, mm. Unless I'm I mean, holding the wrong end and hit you with the wrong end. You're more likely to <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So for characters, um, when they roll to attack, they will have knowledge that you wouldn't have as a person. Like, they all know how well they have swung a sword. Sometimes they get lucky and that's a critical hit and sometimes they just fluffed it and that's a natural one and that's fine. Uh, but also you can tell, like, you know, did someone just by the very skin of their teeth get out of the way of your spell or did they just like say, oh, mm. you can't spell me, that's nice, and casually throw out the way, like, oh, so, guys. Yeah so, you're, yeah, so you're starting to get a sense of how powerful this monster yeah. is just from watching it, yeah. And some people say that that is metagaming to take that information and use it, like no, working out what's the it. Using the evidence right in front of you. Yeah, Yeah. because that's your character observing something and then you being told as a player. That's the opposite. Metagaming is the player giving character knowledge they should not have. The character giving player knowledge is what the game is. Yeah, and and people might say it's metagaming to speculate as to the AC of a monster, but for, like... Mm. Ah, right. So that's there's two different definitions in metagaming we're sort of flirting with here then because Mm -hmm. one one of them is, of course, character uh, player knowledge. The yes. other is bringing mechanics into a roleplay situation. So yes. would your fighter say that monster has AC-16? Because AC-16 mm. means nothing to your fighter. That's not a yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. But it is a thing yeah. to the player. So that's kind of yeah. a different usage of the term, which I have used mm. better gaming to describe that before. Yeah. And I... my feeling on that is it, it's okay. It's just kind of shorthand. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, in a way. I don't think it's cheating. Because I think if you're doing a battle and you're trying to do it tactically... As mm, players, yeah. you might share knowledge between players yeah. for your characters. You know. Yeah. And if, if it was something that's obvious, yeah. like if you if you were, I don't know, the cleric and you see the barbarian yeah. run and try and hit it with its big sword and it doesn't do any mm. damage, you might be like, maybe I shouldn't go poke it with my stick. That's reasonable yeah. to... You, you know yeah. that the barbarian is much more skilled in the art of... Whacking, whacking things. <laughs> of poking <laughs> things like, with sticks than you are. Mm. Huh. I'm like, oh, I got my stick, but I'm only medium level poking things with stick. That yeah. guy is super good. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll, we'll leave them to yeah. it. We'll leave them to it. But then again, I'll, I'll if, if you as a character in the world were conscious of the sweetness of a D20 dice roll, you yeah. might actually change your opinion based on that. Just like, oh, probably, yeah. probably rolled a one. I'll oh, probably roll a twenty. You know, look if so, if someone slips uh, and like you know, goes work because like it happens, the floor is slippy. You attempt to lunge with forward with blood. It can be mud as well. I don't know. Maybe that's just my <laughs> fancy roleplay roots coming through. <laughs> um, you can attempt to lunge forwards and go absolutely nowhere. And then while everyone's laughing at you, uh, then someone else can nip round the back and give them a good stabbing. Oh, hmm. sorry. That's my LARP experience coming there. Um, mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, so I don't, I mean, it's anti-immersive to talk about hit points and ACs and so forth, but also yeah. it's kind of like stuff that they would be able to see. I think that also depends on the genre a little bit. Mm-hmm. True. Um, and True. this might I mean this might just be me, but if I was playing a science fiction game and there was yes. a lot of scientific information being exchanged mm. between characters mm. and the players do not really know necessarily the language with which to you know mm-hmm. like yeah. exchange these really highly advanced technical scientific physics or biology stuff. Yeah. But what they can say is um oh it's got a defense score of 12. Now, that is shorthand for something really scientific that the character would say, but the player doesn't know how to say. Yeah, and, But I it's agree. the same thing. It's just kind of code. I mean, and it kind of, yeah, so I feel it's slightly different for that genre. I think I agree with you, Russ. Yeah, I don't think that is, is, 
is metagaming. I think it's mm. just players yeah. having a discussion about mm. the mechanics of something, and you probably find a way to roleplay that in character. Like, there's a reason how you know that. Well, not every communication between players has to be in character. No, exactly. Mm. But I mean, as long as there's a reason your character would know that, like, maybe mm. you come into an encounter and you've got a wizard who's very academic, and you're like, oh, yes, I have studied the, the great Peter Coffee Beast. They are weak to Hush. online trolls. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like you as long as you have a role play yeah. reason why your character would have yeah. information on their strengths and weaknesses yeah. I think that's or mm. you can observe feel, it during combat I feel we've gone right back in a circle because like really well known monsters like vampires and trolls mm-hmm. there might be missing information about them your information might not be correct but mm-hmm. you would know something about those what's the way to combat that names. of course is just change the information yeah, yeah. and it's like vampires what, don't like garlic? Oh, no, they bloody love them. Uh, they love garlic. Yeah. Yeah. It's bruschetta they have oh. a problem with. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, level up does quite a nice thing, because I was thinking about it, because I had a vampire, and from just a monstrous menagerie, it was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's just a table where you choose yeah, the yeah. weird things about the vampire, yeah. 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 And they were, they were super... So their weaknesses were gold and flowers, and thus they were obsessed with them. Mm. And were like everything in there, the city had a golden flower theme happening to it. And the closer you got to the center of their power, the mm. more golden flowers that were going on. Yeah, I have to say, it was great for putting willies at the players. Yeah. So, I I think the general gaming community is has a negative view on meta gaming because of the things yeah. we're talking about about yeah. have you read the adventure and your character just knows stuff yeah. they wouldn't know you know yeah. things like that which does ruin the spirit of the game. But yeah. I think it can cause an issue with people that I've seen people that are so afraid of being accused of meta gaming. They kind of yeah. go the other way and end up in that yeah. other camp that's bad of well it's just what my character would do and they come you know come completely entrenched with that you know when it's something mm. that's not useful or good to the game or breaks the social contract in another way in in a way that means that you're being a bad player because one thing when you're in a game you do want to engage with the game and engage with the story like mm. in some way and so being a bad player which you probably define as making things less fun for other people at the table yes i do oh yeah, yeah. sorry i mean in terms of not engaging mm. with the story like because mm. i i've seen some people that like there's a, a really extreme example would be, oh, I'm going to be playing, uh, I'm going to be running a campaign for you guys and it's going to be in a dungeon. So it's going to be a dungeon crawl. You're going to go down into the sewers and do this thing. Cool. If you come to the table and make a player that's like, oh, well, my character is um, sunshine and light and is afraid of the dark and would never go into a tunnel. Mm. And it's like, well, then why are you here? And if they're like, well, that's just what you, my character is doing. It's like, but you made your character. Mm. Um, so I yes. think the thing, there is a bit with metagaming when you're, creating a character or bringing it to mm. a story that makes sure it's one that suits the story yeah. you're going in. So I think sometimes people yeah. get so afraid of metagaming, they go so far the other way that they, you know, create a character that's not good for the story. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Session Zero. Yeah. Mm. For that reason. Yeah. Because like, it does a lot of admin stuff. Make sure you're all on the same page. Yeah. Because mm. someone yeah. turning up with their chaotic, evil necromancer who just wants to be playing in an evil campaign? Yeah, is probably not going to have a lot of fun. That's the reason hack and slash. why yeah. I used to ban the alignment chaotic neutral from my table. Oh, I would say no that. evil and no chaotic neutral. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd be like lawful evil. Yeah, sure, why not? Chaotic evil. It's just like how is that a playable alignment? Mm. I, uh, I mean, and you can make anything work. It just depends upon how the player chooses to interpret it. Mm. Yeah, and like. 
and sometimes it can be good like and you can make it fun like bringing a like an old-fashioned almost lawful stupid full-on honor-bound paladin to a evil game Mm. and they are so trusting like they just really rolled that one on their like uh insight check and the whole of the rest of the party is massively evil and getting up to terrible shenanigans Mm. and they're just messing around this lawful good character who the player is playing along that that would be like quite funny and immense fun i can see that working very well fun playing with the meta then because that's yeah that's the the fun moment of your character completely missing something and you playing on that whereas you as a player are like haha laughing at the character along with everyone else because of yeah yeah. Kind of but, highlighting but, but, the weakness of the alignment system in general there, though. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 but you're, you're, you're having fun with it, mm-hmm. and you're having fun with the concept of heralds and paladins and so forth being these oath-bound individuals, and you could use that in a session zero to say, well, what are the lines on this, mm. rather than finding out in play, yeah. which I think I think could be quite jolly. But yeah. and there's, one, there's another type of uh, metagaming that happens, and this is kind oh, of yeah, the yeah. player knowledge thing as well, but it's not player knowledge about the game, it's player knowledge about the real world. And sometimes, oh, yeah. and the, the example that springs to mind is, not that this specific example has ever happened to me in a game, but the example that springs to mind is a player using their knowledge of how gunpowder is created, making some gunpowder when their character would not know how to do that. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, Peter, you're a chemist. How does gunpowder, what's that made of? Yeah, we need some sweeters, some waiter. No, I know, you get some guns <laughs> and you grind them up. <laughs> That's exactly how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what is it though, Peter? You know, salt, pointer, guano for nitrate. Uh, I think some charcoal as well. You know what? I've never, I've never looked into it because I don't want to be on the government watch list. Fair enough. Um, Um, But too late. I don't. But but a player, a player who knows that just goes, "Oh, I just happen to get a bit of um, this sulfur and a bit of this stuff, and I'm just going to put them in a bucket and mix and just see what happens and mix them together." Just and you're kind of like nothing happens. Are you playing well, an artificer happens. or an alchemist? Because if you are, maybe yeah. I'll give you that. So, so you've got, so you've got two, two approaches. Then. One yeah. is just nothing, as, as you said, Peter, nothing yeah. happens physically different here. Yeah. The other way of doing it is saying, well, technically something could happen, but we're going to actually roll to see if your character did think of doing that. And if not, you yeah. just did something completely different. You just thought you were making gunpowder, but you weren't because you had no idea what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah, like bringing out-of-character knowledge to a game can be really good, or it mm. can be like a blatant act of war. Yeah. <laughs> An example of the latter. Hey, I'm trying to run a game, a science fiction game, and I got a space station, and the player's asking me, where does it dot? Where does the spaceship dot? I'm like, I don't know, like in the center? And they're like, oh, that's completely stupid. Like, they're never docking in the center. They dock on the outer ring. I'm like, all right then. Didn't ask. Don't care. Uh, but it was just like it really disrupted the game. And a great example of doing that sort of thing was my favourite low-level challenge of you're trying to cross a river. Um, how's that working out for you? And they have got the rope, and they're saying, well, if we have two ropes, that'll be fine. I'm like, well, two ropes that you reach across and grab. And then one of my players is like, actually, if you have two ropes that are held taut next to each other, that's actually really easy to walk across. And as they are like a very high level cheerleader, um, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to trust you on that one. Mm. Um, and now that's, that's a new piece of information I have to go with. So that, mm. that, that's pretty cool. 
Mm. Um, I thought you'd have to like have one that sort of head height mm. to grab onto, and one that. I don't. I don't think I could very easily walk across two ropes I've taught by the end. Um, apparently, it's uh, pretty easy. I can sort of see it in principle, but I guess we'll just have to set up a couple of like taut lines in your back garden. And you before me. I think there are outdoor places the in the new forest we could go to to d- to do this. If we have a I'm Morris's unofficial this. tabletop RPG podcast <laughs> team this. building day, and we can go and put it in action. <laughs> I am not walking across ropes. I refuse. Okay. You can't make me. So one theme I'm noticing um, is with when we're talking about meta gaming is that generally it's bad if the player's doing it to try and win in some way, which mm. is like the example you gave with the spaceship, Peter, isn't it? They want to be like, aha, I am cleverer than you. I know this. And it's like, okay, congrats. Yeah. Um, or if they're like, I solved the puzzle, ha, and it's like, okay, congrats. Um, so that's kind of bad. Uh, and if it's doing something that breaks the social contract in the game, but metagame can be good if it's pushing forward the story and making sure that it's agreeing the things you discussed in session zero that you kind of wanted to have with topics. Mm. And another thing I thought of that it's useful for is if I know that a player has built a character and I can see a character arc that's going to happen and I know there's a moment I can nudge to happen in character that's a gm metagaming well no that i could, i do that oh. as a player sometimes because i know mm-hmm. that if a, another player wants a, a certain in character moment they would like that would help with their character arc mm-hmm. i might yeah. make my character go and sit and have a fireside chat with them about this thing you mm-hmm. know or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is and that's me using my knowledge as a player to know that i know this other player will really enjoy that role play moment so i'm going to mm-hmm. let my character open up that opportunity for their character so that's technically metagaming because I'm using my knowledge as a player. Last, to, last week we yeah. were saying it's kind of down to the motive, often, and I feel like that applies here. So yeah. what you just said, all right, technically it's meta gaming, mm-hmm. but the motive is very different. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that, maybe that's the important thing here. Yeah. If the motive is to make sure everyone's having more fun, great. Then sure, go ahead. I guess. But yeah, and if it's what everyone's agreed you know, is in the, yeah. what you've agreed is fun in your session mm. zero. Because yeah. we all have different ideas about what that is. So mm. like in, in some games, if you want a really tactical combat where it's you've actually got really challenging high level play, you absolutely need to discuss between players what their AC is and things like that because you're going to be, you know, making it like a tactical battle game. So you're going to want that. But maybe if you're playing a really mysterious role play sort of game where it's like there are ethereal horrors coming out of the darkness... It would be like, yeah, your characters are going to have no idea what they are, so you're not going to be able mm. to discuss, you know, mechanical I, things like that. I feel there's a certain amount of fun to be had in playing in a tactical high-level encounter mm. and just going for just going for it and like not not being too fussed about it and just saying, let's go. Oh, uh, that's how <laughs> I do that. I Leroy Jenkins oh, every combat encounter I ever do, so I'm the worst. Oh, marvelous, marvelous! I, I always like that. <laughs> uh, it's actually it's actually, it's actually quite similar to how I play when I'm playing a fighter. I understand Ralph, that reference. Good, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put a link in the uh, show notes if you don't. Despite a, not being a video game player, I still understand. That. I think everyone knows Leroy Jenkins, and whether or not you've played WoW, I think. Well, like, uh, everyone certainly knows a Leroy Jenkins for sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 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 it's just like sometimes there's, I think, this holdover that you should plan everything out perfectly before you do a thing. Oh. And no, for yeah. OSR style games where mm-hmm. you've got like all of a dozen hit points, and um, people looking at you funnily can leave you horribly mangled for life mm-hmm. i'm like well yes yes we'll play it out then but like in most games it's just like just mm-hmm. plow straight into the middle of them drop a fireball on me and then we'll mop up the rest so, what you're you say saying that peter made something spring to mind when you talk about yeah. osr style games and that is of yeah. course that different games are designed with different levels of metagaming in mind 
Yeah. Of course, some styles of game are designed more to challenge the player than the character, whereas yeah. other styles of games are designed more to challenge the character than the player. That's a really and good that point. Very much the game or yeah. the group. Yeah. So that's the thing: the style of game. Yeah. yeah. Grim's Hoof's Guide to Traps is mm. almost entirely about challenging the player, player rather yeah. than the character, yeah, yeah. because there's no reason the character. And that's kind of an old school or... philosophy thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Why? Why has my torch suddenly gone out? Mm. And if you don't know, then you die of, uh, like, asphyxiation because there's no <laughs> oxygen. Mm. Yeah, no, that's Grimtooth's Guide to Traps. <laughs> no, I believe you, that's online. where I lie. Have a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not the sort of thing I can see myself running. Uh, or, I... oh, you grab, a, you grab a fishing pole and then your hands become stuck to it and you get, like, catapulted across the ceiling um, to hit another sharp spiky rock and die one experience yeah it's like there's a lot of and then you die mm. <laughs> <laughs> into that no yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. i think it's definitely a style of role playing and i know some people like um spycraft there's a lot of tactical planning that you'd have as part of your character mm. when you go to do a heist or something like that and i know yeah. so many people that absolutely love that and it's yeah. a really great and it's it's not for me i'm too impatient and mm. uh <laughs> I, um, I, i'll be honest with you it never works I... Very, very rarely do long plans work. Oh, it's much I've better to go in and cause as much chaos as possible. Like seriously, that is like a valid strategy. You just go in, you keep setting fire to things mm. until eventually you succeed, <laughs> and that actually works a surprising amount of the Peter time. Peter Coffey's life advice: Go out into the world, <laughs> set fire to things, something will work out. Mm. Look, I'm not saying to do that. But I'm not not saying to do that. Okay. <laughs> no, it is. I know some people. There's a group of my friends that really love spycraft, and they do play yeah. that way, and they have a great time, and yeah. they do a lot of planning, and their plan, their DM rewards them for doing a good plan. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, absolutely! Yeah. Like I love, like if players like are sneaky, that makes me so happy. That is like yes, yeah. good job. I, I I love to see it because it's really entertaining for me. But like I've spent whole sessions, like f- uh, sometimes multiple sessions, like we're talking four to six to eight hours of my actual life mm. planning for stuff, and That's it all much. goes base over apex as soon as we start playing because we have a bad role. Um, mm. And then after that, the only thing you can do is keep on escalating the chaos and work on the fact that because there's four of you, it's quicker and easier for you to do stuff about it. And simulating the problem of a small group of people disrupting what's going on when there is a larger group of you and you do not have instant perfect communication is actually quite hard, but quite entertaining. Mm. Because like trying to react to trying to get an organization to react to a thing that's happening unexpectedly and quickly is very hard Mm -hmm. trying to get people a whole group of people to do things at once is super hard like training training anyone that's that's tried to organize a gaming session with their friends understands (sighs) that amen Amen. (laughs) good grief this is all things that people want to do on a low pressure situation which isn't all that time sensitive Mm. sorry we're clearly boring Russ now well no i think we're kind of reaching the end of the topic really aren't we yeah so our conclusions on metagaming mine is it cheating? My answer would be no, but yeah. it can be a dick move and it can make the game not fun for other people. Depending on the motive behind yes. it. Yeah. Depends on the motive would... and the game you're playing and the agreements you've had of what kind of game you're if, playing. If I said it was a tool, yes. that 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 would... I yeah, would agree you can use you. it. Yeah. So I think metagaming is a tool. You can have it in your toolbox and like all tools, you should use it for the appropriate times for the appropriate uh, mm. outcomes. I, I, I agreed with that, yeah. 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 Cool. 
Oh. Cool, we fixed metagaming in TV. Yes. Or you need never discuss it again. Well done, I will Done. not be here next week. Oh. So, yeah. keep an eye on Russ Peter. Alright. <laughs> Alright, see you later. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Every one of those items, by the way, has been in D&D. I didn't make any of them up. No. I had to look them all up, but they all exist. Oh, wow. Do they all do the things that you said they do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> over the years, you know, not all of them are in 5e, but over the years, every single one of those items has existed in D&D. Amazing. <laughs> no. I was just Googling worst D&D magic items ever to try and find them all. We are truly in a golden age of games. <laughs> <laughs>